You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside today, the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Conference Room. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast here in-house. Joe Hopkins and myself and putting the Beach Grove Wi-Fi to work. Mike Chappell coming in from his estate on the south side of Indianapolis and uh, big show coming up, injury updates for the Colts. We will have keys to the game as the Horseshoes are back on national TV this weekend, Sunday night football against the San Francisco 49ers. We'll make predictions and what is a rather fishy line to this game, according to FanDuel, DraftKings, or wherever you might do your, uh, do your uh, uh, wagering on the side. But first we start with uh, what, what, one heck of a newsworthy week, one heck of a newsworthy week. And after after last weekend, when things looked so good for the Colts, they go out, they really put a full game together. Your offense is clicking. Carson Wentz is cruising. Defense keeps your uh, division rivals out of the end zone. Efficiency at special teams. Everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, nothing's going well, it seems like. And injuries are, are the root cause of it. Uh, we'll begin with the latest injury that uh, came out officially from the team uh, this Thursday morning as we tape the podcast. Julian Blackman starting safety done for the season after tearing his Achilles at practice on Wednesday. Now, Mike, we talked at the start of this year about how the back end had seen some troubles, both Kari Willis and Julian Blackman. You could see it very easily. Didn't exactly take a, an NFL insider to realize the Colts were having trouble down the field um, against some really dangerous down the field passing teams with uh, the Rams and the Seahawks to start out. But really, the ship had been righted since then. It seemed like, especially last week against the Texans. But now, with Blackman out for the rest of the season, that certainly throws a wrench into the Colts' plans. And for Blackman in particular, a guy in his second year that the coaches and GM, the front office, have really high hopes for this guy. But all of that certainly put on the back burner as he has to now rehab from an Achilles tear. He might have been playing as well as anybody on defense. Uh, I realize Darius Leonard's got the numbers and all that, but Blackman's playing really, really well. And... We talked to a lot of players today about Blackman and and you know they're 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 just crestfallen and and Darius Leonard just said he's the ball hawk back there he he just makes things happen second year player keep in mind he he, he had a slow start last year somewhat because of the ACL he tore in uh, uh, the Pac-10 championship game uh, with Utah so it's just a it's just an awful injury and that comes on the heels of Paris Campbell going on IR and more than likely missing the season. And T.Y., we don't know. But this is one where, again, talking to – we talked to Darius Leonard and Jonathan Taylor and a couple other guys. And these players, they do everything possible in the offseason and during the season to avoid this. They just do. If anyone thinks that they're out there, you know, sipping margaritas or whatever before practice – no, these guys put in the work. They do the massages, the cold tubs, the hyperbaric chambers, and all that. And I remember when I was at the local newspaper, we tried to – these would come up. Well, what's the common denominator? Well, it's probably the fact that it's the NFL. And, you know, if you don't understand the violent nature of it, go, go run up against a brick wall like ten times, three times a day. So it's just awful. And it's even worse when it happens – in a non non contact drill in practice 
on grass. So uh, the, the, the best insight we got with Jonathan Taylor where he just said, you know, basically these guys are the elite athletes and they're putting such incredible torque and pressure on, on joints and in, in, in ligaments and in tendons that sometimes things happen. So it's just, it's just very unfortunate. And already on social media, people are saying, well, what, what, why, why are the Colts aren't doing more? Why aren't they doing more to, to prevent this? Why doesn't Jim Irsay invest more in sports science and sports medicine? And trust me, we're not here to defend Jim Irsay, but, but he's doing everything possible. I mean, he, he, he understands the value of keeping players on the field. So I just don't know how you find a common denominator other than NFL. I mean, this isn't a Colts issue. The Ravens have like 16 players on IR. I mean, significant players. But Ronnie Stanley and their, their running backs. Watch, watch tonight's uh, Thursday night game. Cleveland's going to have, what, a backup quarterback, their number three running back, and I believe both tackles are out. So it, it, it's, it's a hot issue here because we're here. But th- th- this is an issue all across the league. It seems like it's a little more at this point. But injuries are simply a part of the game. Th- th- this is a sport, a business of attrition. And you just hope that you don't lose major players early. And right now the Colts have done that. Joe, if I want to look on the bright side for at least a half a second here with this, obviously the, the bright side is hard to see. But uh, we do know that Blackman has come back from one rough injury already in his ACL. And he came back last year and looked very good, especially at the start of the year. I thought he hit the rookie wall probably the second half. So he, he's kind of been through one of these tough rehab processes before. Uh, you know he has the mental capability to make it through, and uh, so so you just hope that he can kind of follow a similar path back and be be effective again when he returns from from this Achilles, like he was from the ACL. In this Colts medical staff, you know, helping players come back from Achilles injuries is something they're very familiar with. Unfortunately, the, so unfortunately with Malik. Uh, Malik Hooker tore his Achilles last year, and I get, you know, he moved on from the team during the offseason, but Marlon Mack's back, and he's actually looked pretty good the last couple weeks and uh, helping Eric Fisher get back. So you, you just wish for a speedy recovery for a player who, you know, maybe will be back in time for the start of the season. Probably not. He'll probably come back midway through next season, entering his what will be his third year, and then he's really got – maybe a year and a half to get healthy before he gets ready for the next contract, just looking, you know, from his personal side for his career. But big blow to the Colts, who will probably have to start Andrew Sandejo possibly at that other safety spot. I mean, the good news is Kari Willis uh, says he's getting healthier and is really starting to play his best football. He definitely had some lapses earlier in in the season and missed some time. Uh, So it seemed, you know, almost as we were getting – the one safety healthy, we lose the other safety, who I do believe Blackman was the best safety on the team, uh, even when both guys are healthy. So this stinks, but like Mike said, it's part of the game. I think that Chris Ballard said something about Blackman, thinking that he had all-pro talent. I think that was a soundbite about about him this offseason. I see Mike nodding his head, so that, that means that I'm probably in, in the right there if, if Chap can, if it's ringing his bells too. But uh, Mike, Mike, if we're looking at what the Colts have to do now, with this position. Joe mentioned Andrew Sendejo. He's a veteran in the NFL, 11 years of experience. You can certainly do a whole lot worse than putting a guy like Sendejo out there, but 
Can the Colts afford to stand pat with what they have right now? Maybe they go and they sign somebody else to kind of be a depth guy, or do you want to see them swing for the fences if a little bit more? Go out and maybe sign a free agent like a Kenny Vaccaro who's still out there, a free agent like a uh, Bradley McDougal who's still out there, um, uh, guys who have start more starting experience in this league and recent starting experience in this league. Um, if nothing else, that tells you that uh, they're not content with what they have. They're really trying to go for it on defense, or do you really d- w- rather see them put their faith in guys like Sendejo or George Odom, who they currently have on the roster? Boy, it seems like they, they only played George Odom when they absolutely have it to. It certainly does. I mean, it really – now, in one name we need to keep in mind is Josh Jones. They signed to the practice squad this week. If I'm not mistaken, he was a full-time starter with Jacksonville last year, 14 or 15 games. Uh, so, so they'll bring him up game day uh, from the practice squad. The, the, the problem with signing a veteran, uh, it's, it's funny, one of the, the, the beat writers for the Jets said, you know, the Jets have a veteran safety in the final year of his contract. I think, I think they were talking about Mayo. I'm not sure what his first name is. Well, that's fine, but he's got a $10 million base salary. So an issue with the Colts is is they have very very little cap room. I think they're about three million under the cap after redoing Ty. Uh, they did some bookkeeping work and freed up about two point three million with Ty, pushing money forward, which they are loath to do. So they'll basically have two point three million against next year's cap to start with. But they, I, I I suppose if they bring in a veteran, it'll be and it will be. Uh, for, you know, for the one two million dollars, but even that's going to stress their budget. They might have to address somebody else's contract. I'd have to see who else is is sort of uh, that that they could do. I think they t- they try to do it internally again, Josh Jones. But they, 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 now they're one injury at safety away from really being really in, in, in deep trouble. T.J. Carey, if, if he could come back from, he's on IR with the knee. Perhaps he can play safety, I, I think, at times. But anytime you're playing guys out of position, well, he can probably do it. Well, all you're doing is weakening that area of your team. So th- th- this is unfortunate, number one, for Blackman. And number two, it's an area that right now is the Colts are probably, it might be their least, the least depth they've got as far as not just bodies, but bodies that you're, you're comfortable playing. Well, let's shift to the other side of the ball and another injury that is going to impact some depth on a position that you hopefully have a little bit more at, and that's wide receiver. And Paris Campbell is on injured reserve now with a foot injury that he suffered on his 51-yard touchdown catch. Guys, Joe, we, we talked about this before we, we, we potted on here, but uh, another year, another injury to Paris Campbell. I, I feel absolutely dreadful for the guy. I, I, I'm gutted for Paris because I, I love him. I love talking to him. You love his talent. And we, I've said, I've said, not just we all have said, I have said on this podcast, get him more involved. And it looked like these last two weeks, they were getting him more involved until you saw him running back to the, to the training room after his touchdown catch. And I'm like, oh, geez, oh, no, not again. You saw him running back out. I'm like, oh, he's okay. But then you see him start to take a few steps. And I saw that he was limping. I was like, oh, geez, here we go again. So Paris Campbell going to be out at least three games moving forward. Yeah, as, as I see Paris Campbell tweeted, be back soon with a little smiley emoji. We'll see how soon soon is. Right. But, yeah, it's just, you know, it makes you sick with Paris, a guy who can't seem to catch a break and get some good fortune. Um, 
all the talent in the world. I think he ran a 4-2, for goodness sakes. He was supposed to be the next speed element in this offense as T.Y.'s career, you know, slowly winds down here. Um, I, I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope things turn around for Paris going forward. But three years in, each year, injuries ruined uh, the season for Paris. And, you know, hope after year by year goes by and it keeps happening, hope that Paris will turn around or his body will allow him to play kind of diminishes. Mike, it's, it's uh, obvious the impact that Paris Campbell can have on a game, but three years in, the, uh, the leash that he has to, to have these problems is getting awfully short since that rookie contract is going to be coming up after next year. Yeah, I you know I've seen people say, well, just cut him and get rid of him. Well, they're they're going into next off season. There will be no risk involved as far as carrying him on a ninety man roster and into training camp. So that's you don't do that. And I think his his base salary next year is probably a million, two million off the rookie deal. So it's not like he's going to be a heavy burden. But then when it comes down to you know next August or whatever and cutting to fifty three. How much faith can you put into a guy who just blows you away with talent, with what he can do, but he can't stay on the field? So that'll be a podcast for another day. But like you said, it's just it's just awful for a guy when it's 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 awful when any player gets injured. But when you see a guy that first he's just a, he's just a great kid, he really is. But what he brings to your offense, we've talked all off season and and early season about. He's the wild card that th- there's no one else on the team that brings what he can bring. Uh, and the fact that it happened on the, the best play of his career, kind of like last year where he had, he showed that some speed on that jet sweep and then he took a helmet to the knee. Uh, it, it's just star cross, whatever you want to call it. And from a team point of view, what was so frustrating is we saw last week what a T.Y. slash Paris Campbell can bring to this offense. The, the deep balls in yards after the catch and long touchdowns. And, and now there's a chance whether certainly Paris won't play. And, you know, he, he may not be back this season. We'll see. But, there, you know, we talked to T.Y. today. He, he said he's 50-50. So we'll see. And that's so, so you go from one game where you're just throwing it down the field and getting the, the chunk plays that they love to have to now perhaps being without both guys in Frisco. Uh, a, a note about – receivers now uh, Desmond Patman also has started practice he's started the season on injured reserve so certainly someone who could take uh, the place of Paris Campbell there you also got Mike Strawn who's been around who uh, made a catch early this season I haven't heard a whole lot of Mike Strawn recently though uh, out on the field haven't seen a whole lot of Mike Strawn out on the field Uh, Joe when you look at who replaces Paris Campbell and and like Mike said he has just a unique skill set so to say quote-unquote replacing Paris Campbell it's it's not going to be an apples-to-apples replacement for sure but it's I think if you're trying to replace some things of what he can do it's not necessarily a Strawn or a Patman who does the things that he does it's maybe Ashton Doolin a little bit more or Doolin's the most similar wide receiver to Paris Campbell um I mean, hopefully T.Y. can play and still give you that down-the-field right. speed element, but as far as the, just getting them the ball in their hands and allowing them to make something of it, I think Doolin is the most similar in that aspect. Um, but not having Paris Campbell is going to be tough. And then going into this Sunday, if they're down Paris and T.Y., they'll be trotting out Pascal, Pittman, and then 
The third's probably Ashton Doolin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's not a great. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of teams in the NFL who would trade uh, their starting receiving group for the group the Colts might be trotting right. out on Sunday. And uh, I think if, if you really want to go deep onto who the Colts have, you that you saw them last year use uh, DeMichael Harris a little bit mm. in kind of that scat back out of the backfield or wide receiver screen type role as well. And I believe he's still on the practice squad. I'm like 99% sure that uh, DeMichael Harris is still there. Forgive me for not having a, yes, he is. a good, a, a full recap at all times what's in uh, what's on the Colts practice squad. So uh, anyway, uh, Paris Campbell done for the immediate future. Wide receiver depth will certainly be under the microscope this weekend in San Francisco. Uh, one player who is on the West Coast right now, uh, who uh, probably shouldn't be there yet if he was uh, exactly everything that the Colts coaches says he was, is Jacob Eason, quarterback. On Tuesday, the Colts waved Eason. And they activated Sam Ellinger from injured reserve. So you got Ellinger on the 53-man, as well as Brett Hundley, who uh, Frank Reich says is still the backup quarterback. Hundley is. But Eason is gone. And this comes after the Colts drafted Eason in the fourth round last year. This comes after a respectable preseason, albeit nothing too glamorous from Eason. This comes after Frank Reich said that Eason had earned the backup role coming out of the preseason. Of course, we've talked about that a little bit already when Eason lost the backup job to Brett Huntley. Chap, this has been a bit of a saga this year, and even beyond that to last year. There, there's been a lot of uh, the, the chatter about Eason and his abilities, about his potential, about uh, just the uh, lack of results now that he's had a little bit of opportunity and just his lack of being the Colts' backup. Let's be direct about it. He, he's gone now. He's with the Seattle Seahawks, who claimed him off waivers. But this is this is quite an interesting uh, tale, I think, that we've spun for Jacob Eason here, from, uh, from great expectations to a rather unceremonious exit from the franchise. Yeah, saga is probably the right word for it because – it's it's been here there everywhere and it's it's wound around and it's been again keep in mind as soon as uh Carson Wentz had the su- surgery in in what was it August 2nd we talked to Frank and he said Jacob's a guy J- Jacob's the number 2 he's in the driver's seat and of course he's got to prove it and he's got to earn it and all that not really earn it cuz he, he was given the spot and about 10 days later he he's sharing snaps with Ellinger well it's a meritocracy and you have to earn it and, and then when they go into the season, if I'm not mistaken, the first two games, Eason was the backup. And then Wentz has the injuries, and all of a sudden, Brett Hundley's the backup because he's got experience, which was nine starts in 2017. So it's – and then on the last couple of games, Eason's been a, a healthy scratch. It's it's He was given every chance. I mean, as, as far as reps and, and exposure – he was given every opportunity to, to, to kind of grasp it. And all all he had to beat out, and I'm not trying to trash the competition, all he had to beat out was Brett Hundley, who was on his couch in July, and Sam Ellinger, who was a sixth-round draft pick. So he, And he had a year, uh, a year head start on these guys as far as getting somewhat familiar with the playbook. And I, I know the Colts wanted to bring him back for the practice squad. I know they did. But at the same time, th- they knew the risk of putting him out there. So, so they, were, they were more than willing 
to take the risk of losing him. And if, if they really, really thought this guy had, uh, I don't want to say a future, but, but a, a viable role down the road, th- then what they do is they cut Brett Hundley and, and they keep Eason and they bring Hundley back to the practice squad. Cause nobody, I, somebody would have claimed Brett Hundley, really? So th- th- this, this, the fact that they, that they were, yeah, we'd like to bring him back, and we think if we work with him, he can do this, that, and the other. That's fine, but but when when you waive a guy, uh, you're exposing him to 31 other teams. So your your commitment to that player is, you know, limited at best. So again, we don't need to sit here and trash Jacob Eason, but he was he was given more than enough opportunity to secure the number two spot, and he just simply didn't do it. Joe, it looks like right now that the Colts, when they look at the future then at, at that backup role, it's it's now kind of your, your eyes are squarely on Sam Ellinger now because it's not going to be Brett Hundley, I don't think, long-term. That doesn't sound like the viable long-term thing, but uh, given the fact that uh, Ellinger has gotten some reps and uh, what, what Frank Reich said being a meritocracy earlier this year, getting, getting in there, getting some work um, – but then again, I don't know how much you trust exactly everything that Frank Reich says. Not that he, not that I don't think he was dishonest with Jacob Eason, saying that we like Jacob, we think he has a future. Well, yeah, like Mike said, you, you like him, but you don't like him enough to not put him out there for all 31 NFL teams. So he said that, you know, Sam Ellinger deserved the what reps he got. And uh, all, all this to say that, that it's, Sam Ellinger is kind of, um, going to be given that same opportunity, those same opportunities that Jacob Eason once had now, looking into the future. Well, when you look at the battle during the preseason, we, you know, based on the preseason performance, Ellinger had the turnovers and whatnot. We kind of assumed Eason had won the job, but the Colts never had to come out and announce that Eason won the job because Ellinger got hurt in that final preseason game. Right. Um, so they, they never even had to come out and say Eason over Ellinger. Uh, and I do have some optimism that Ellinger can be a good backup for the Colts for the next several years. He, he He's just kind of a gamer. He just gets out there. He doesn't hesitate with his decisions, even if there are going to be some interceptions sometimes. And that'll happen with a rookie young quarterback still learning. Um, the preseason is the time to figure out what you can and cannot get away with. But in his mobility as well, which is two things Eason didn't have. I think that's what really held him back. Yeah, he's big. He's got the strong arm. But Eason was not mobile at all, Philip Rivers-level uh, ability to move around. And he didn't make quick decisions, and those two things are going to kill you in today's NFL. So I, I hope that Ellinger can take over f- that backup job from Brett Hundley sooner rather than later. The sooner um, Ellinger does that, the better sign it is for him as uh, his long-term future for the Colts' backup. But, I mean, right now everything is still in flux, and I wouldn't be surprised how this whole backup journey has gone if, you know, Hundley remains the backup for the rest of the year. But, but again, if, if, if Erlinger, if, if, if Sam turns out to be the backup, let's say in two weeks, it could happen. I mean, what, what, what has Hundley done to really, I guess, dazzle you? It's just a further indictment on Eason because, again, they, they could have, they very easily could have kept Eason. Like, like I, I keep going back to the fact that they, they could have waived Hunley, and I can't imagine some team was sitting away and said, boy, when they cut Brett Hunley, we're, we're going to scoop him up. Now, at least with Eason, it's a young guy, and he's got the big arm, but you just it just dazzles teams when you, when you got the big talent. 
they could have avoided this had they wanted, if they were really enthralled by what they saw in, in Eason, they, they could easily have avoided this by, by making the move with Hunley and bringing Hunley back to the practice squad. They chose not to do that, which speaks volumes on their commitment or what, what their, their trust in Jacob Eason. And I, I guess that's piling on Eason, but that's just kind of how it is. All this discussion, of course, hopeful that the backup quarterback will never see the field out there on any Sunday or Monday or whenever your Colts squad is playing and uh, knock on wood that Carson Wentz doesn't need to come out for a down or more than that. Uh, Special teams. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship placed on injured reserve on Saturday just before this last week's Colts game and kicker Michael Bashley elevated to the 53-man roster. So uh, the young man who uh, was on the Colts a couple preseasons ago Uh, Learned a bit under Adam Vinatieri there before heading over to the Chargers when I still believe they were in San Diego at the time, possibly, and uh, played for them for a couple years, uh, played for the Titans uh, earlier earlier this year, I believe, uh, before uh, getting cut and uh, now has found a place at least temporarily here uh, in Indianapolis. And he he certainly looked just fine, just fine uh, on Sunday, hit his three extra points, hit a 41-yard field goal, did not look shaky at all. Uh, got the chance to speak to him afterward, just in the hallway outside of the locker room. Uh, he was talking about it uh, certainly helps to have guys like a Luke Rhodes and a, uh, and a Rigoberto Sanchez who uh, have a system down pat there in the uh, snapper and holder game and guys that he's a little bit familiar with, of course, since he was here a couple years ago. But um, uh, Joe, unfortunately, your boy Hot Rod gonna miss a couple weeks, and you you better watch out if Bashley if Bashley keeps hitting his field goals. You better watch out. Oh no way! No, he no. doesn't have the swag that Hot Rod does. Who does have the <laughs> swag that Hot Rod does? But anyway, that's at least the cold situation for for the current time being at Place Kicker. And we touched on it already that uh, ESPN, I'm not ESPN, sorry, NFL Network reported that the Colts restructured T.Y. Hilton's contract, freed up $2.3 million in cap space. That could be for signing a safety. That could just be for a little bit of uh, room here and there, you know, to, to get guys for the rest of the season if you need to make moves. Because $2.3 million, Joe, not a whole lot uh, of cap space, nevertheless. Not a whole lot. Probably just, you know, in case there's more injuries yeah, and they exactly. need to keep signing people here and there. I did see a report, um, Justina Anderson tweeted today that over the last few weeks, several teams have reached out about Marlon Mack, including, I think, the Saints, 49ers, Chiefs, and there were a couple other teams involved in that as well. So maybe if the Colts are hoping to get a player back from Marlon Mack, that kind of frees them up a little bit to get a, obviously not a high-end player with a large contract, but maybe they trade for a safety with their safety out now or another wide receiver or something or a decent backup quarterback, mm-hmm. something of that nature. It just gives them more flexibility with the roster moving forward. Mike Chappell also. More, uh, go go ahead, Chap. Go ahead. More than likely to be a draft pick, though. Yeah, I, I think it, so. It, yeah. Just because it's, it, it's hard to find, like you talk, ideally, yeah, you get, you get back a at least a quality backup safety or whatever, but if they get a, a six or a seven for Marlon Mack, I guess you make the deal. He's looked better. I think he, he's shown to me that he's got that burst back. Uh, I I wouldn't mind that. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I wouldn't mind that simply for him. And if nothing else, it, it would uh, it, it keeps bo- kind of driving me crazy how they're trying to get all three running backs work. And JT Taylor's going to get his, but every every carry that Marlon Mack gets, God love him, he's taking away snaps and reps and touches from Naheem Hines. 
So, but that that's something that they have to worry about. But uh, what the trade deadline is it November? Is it the second or the eighth? I think or it's whatever in two it weeks. Second, isn't it? yeah, I yeah think November second. Yeah. So, so we'll we'll see. And I I I don't know if they if they make a trade for uh, help at safety or receiver just because that means giving up draft picks. And I just don't see Chris Ballard giving up draft picks, not knowing what your status is on your first rounder next year. And looking at receiver now, uh, Mike Chappell tweeting out breaking news-ish as we're uh, doing our show, retweeting Paris Campbell saying he's more motivated than ever with a hashtag Christmas. So maybe Christmas is his uh, timeline to, to come back. The Colts will have a nice gift wrap present in the form of Paris Campbell coming in uh, in Arizona uh, that afternoon, that Saturday afternoon in the desert perhaps. So we will see if that is indeed the date that Paris Campbell can make his return to the Colts lineup. Uh, let's get to some more positive injury news from this week. As the big Q, Quentin Nelson, one of three players designated to return to practice on Wednesday for the Colts, uh, has a chance to play on Sunday after missing some games with his ankle injury. Um, Frank Reich says he thinks Quentin can be a quick return from his ankle injury. Also, Dio Dangbo and Des Patman, who I referenced earlier in the show, uh, were designated to return to practice as well. So, um, Mike, obviously Quentin Nelson, the uh, the headliner of that return, but you certainly can't overlook the other two. Des, when uh, the Colts need some wide receiver help, and Dio Dangbo, as the Colts need some uh, help on the edge rush as well, and I think that's where they want to start him. It's what uh, defensive line coach Brian Baker had said. So, uh, three players at three positions of need for the Colts as they enter this week. Yeah, but I think the only one I think that really, well, th- there's no way Dial is ready to no, play. No, no, I, I just they they won't do that. Des Patman may, maybe maybe uh, Q's going to play. I mean, it's he missed three games because once you're on our IR, you miss three games. Uh, the, the way Frank talked yesterday, I think it's uh, pretty evident that Quentin is re- is ready because he was even talking. Well, you know, w- when he does come back, uh, we're, we're probably going to have uh, Chris Reed and Mark Lewinsky. Uh, platooning at, re- at right guard, which probably is not something that Mark Lewinsky wants to hear. But uh, yeah, I, I really think that Q comes back. But I, in, I think D- Dio probably takes the three weeks to get to get everything under him and feeling really good. Des Patman maybe that was a foot injury, and the one thing that we simply don't know because we don't watch practice now. Guys on IR cannot practice, so. Yesterday was the first day these guys could practice, but they do an awful lot of work on the side with, with the training staff, the rehab staff. So you, as a receiver, you can get a lot of work in, uh, running, cutting, uh, the jugs machine. So I think like we talked with Ty last week, it, it's I think it's easier for a receiver to come back from a significant injury like this than another player. So maybe Patman, maybe, uh, and, and again they they need help at that position. And we saw him in camp. Look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he brings size and, and some some playmaking. So that's a position they really need help right now. Did not participate in Wednesday's practice. You had T. Y. Hilton, who might be limited on Friday, and I, I highly doubt he's out. He I haven't heard. We, any... we talked. We talked to T. Y. Today. He said fifty fifty. Okay. But but again, the worst person to talk to about injuries are, are players mm-hmm. because because they think they're going to play. But T. Y. said fifty fifty. Maybe he practices tomorrow. We'll see. Braden Smith did not participate in practice, which I'm going to come back to him in a second. But Darius Leonard did not participate. Not a big surprise. Quiddy Pay did not participate Wednesday. But uh, there are reports today that he is, in fact, back out there on the field. 
Taekwon Lewis on Wednesday was out. Kamoko Ture out. Rakia Seen with that ankle injury out. Jordan Wilkins, who's had a non-football illness for like three weeks now. What is a non-football illness? It's a illness that is not related to football. What is a football illness? That's a great question. Maybe we could uh, we could see what a football illness is from... Athlete's foot. I yeah. mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, right? For real. And uh, Anderson oh, Deho was a limited participant on Wednesday with the, coming back from uh, his, what was it, his concussion. Concussion, yeah. I believe, yeah. So uh, maybe today he's full participant, uh, but he is out there again, again, according to uh, practice reports from uh, the boots on the ground out there from our fine friends um, out of practice. So um, I-, I wanted to circle back to Braden Smith, chap, because this this to me is is, is a – is a massive failure from, it just appears that way, from either the Colts uh, training staff or Braden Smith or doctors or somebody. Like, the right information did not get to Frank Reich and Chris Ballard here about Braden Smith because he has not gone on injured reserve. Braden Smith keeps taking up a roster spot right now, and he's been out since week one. So he's missed five weeks. five weeks now. And, and he'll miss a sixth one this week. He'll miss a, miss a sixth one this week. Has not practiced yet. Like, I understand if at the beginning, oh, we're kind of optimistic that maybe he could take this ankle and be back after a week or two so we don't put him on IR. But even if that's the case, you got to realize that you're wrong at some point and be like, oh, this is actually progressing exactly as bad as it can. We need to put him on injured reserve and miss at least, at least three weeks and open up that roster spot for us. Like, it's completely puzzling to me, totally puzzling. I am baffled on how he has spent six weeks and nobody has had the sense to put him on injured reserve. It is just absolutely crazy to me that this has happened. I think it's a pockmark on somebody in the Colts organization that this situation is allowed to continue as it is. Maybe I'm overreacting to it, but it just seems like a really bad look that a guy who could be on injured reserve, give you a roster spot, has been taking one up for the past six weeks. I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm overreacting, but that's how I feel about it. And I'm not going to defend the team at all, but, but we talked to Frank about we we bring Braden up every every week with Frank. We and this week he said, you know, nine out of ten times, uh, the, the the rehab guys and the doctors are right on on these guys, and this is the one time they've been wrong. And the problem now he's been working on his own. I'm talking to a few guys. He's been working on the side uh, with the rehab guys and and doing some pretty strenuous stuff, maybe like what we saw with Eric Fisher in training camp. The the the, the problem they're, they're having now, if that's the right word, and, and, and you think it is, and it, pro- and it is at some level, is, I don't want to say it was misdiagnosed, but, but, but they thought he might miss, let's say, two games with the foot, and then it was three, and then it was four, and now he's making progress. So to put him on IR now means another three weeks. So they're sort of in that catch twenty two to where, yeah, we you know in hindsight, boy, I wish we had put him on IR three weeks ago even, and now it's it's looking like there's a chance he maybe he returns to practice next week and he's ready to play. So it's it was if you want to say mishandled, but now you're at the point that IR is not really an, an option because that means another three weeks, and in your mind he's not going to miss three more weeks. So yeah, it, it in hindsight, I'd love to have, have had a do-over on this, and maybe after the first or second week, put IR. But unfortunately, that train has left the station, 
and IR, if they do it now, then, then this really is an issue. But the fact that he's working as much as he is on the side tells me that there's a chance he practices it next week. But you're right, he, he's eating up a roster spot. And with these injuries, every roster spot is precious. And they could have used that roster spot. On the other side of the uh, of the field this weekend as the Colts take on the San Francisco 49ers, their injury report is certainly not nearly as long, but uh, some big names at the top of it. All-pro tight end George Kittle is on injured reserve, and he will not play in this weekend's game. So that you, whoo, a little bit of a sigh of relief. Don't not, have to deal with that. Exactly, not to have to face Kittle uh, out there. Not that uh, the San Francisco is completely devoid of, of other uh, weapons, as we'll get to in a minute, but Kittle is probably the, the most dangerous of them all. Uh, did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Tackle Trent Williams with an ankle ankle and elbow injuries. Uh, Trent Williams, by the way, is probably the best left tackle in football. Yeah, he, 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 I think that I can say that pretty safely right now. If not, if not the best, uh, certainly in the top three. No arguments here. Yeah, uh, he signed a very big contract with San Francisco and has uh, very much earned it. Uh, Trey Lance, quarterback, out. Uh, well, his status is in doubt. Is Joe what you put here? I think I've read that it's it's doubt is like it's more on the outside than it is on the on the inside for sure. So I, I, I it'd be hard pressed to think that Lance will be playing this weekend when the Colts uh, take on the 49ers. And Javon Kinlaw, your boy. One of my boys. Yeah, from the, one of your boys from that draft a couple years so ago. so many boys. You do. I, I have to bring them all up any time they, they surface. He's had, he's had a good young career for San Francisco. You know, he's a good young player for sure. But I am also sure that the Colts are very happy with spending that first-round pick trade for DeForest Buckner. He's good. He's not Buckner. Good. Exactly. Yeah, they, they, we'll, we'll stay with that, which is just is always continually looked like uh, one of the best moves Chris Ballard has made in his tenure to bring in an all-pro defensive tackle with your first-round pick. Anyway, limited participation in Wednesday's practice. Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, he's expected to make his return on Sunday. He injured his calf in Week 4 against Seattle. Uh, linebacker Marcel Harris with a thumb injury as well. So that was your injury report from the 49ers as the Colts get set to travel to the city by the bay and take on San Francisco. Colts are 2-4, and four, Niners are 2-3. and three. San Francisco coming off a of bye week, so... They got that going in their favor. They have two weeks to prepare for the Colts here. And San Francisco also had a three-game losing streak entering that bye. So it was a much-needed early season bye uh, to kind of rest, regroup, and uh, get your act together as, uh, as you start uh, this uh, next part of the season. But anyway, the, the 49ers had, the, had two wins to start the year over the Lions and the Eagles. Uh, after that, they lost to the Packers, Seahawks, and Cardinals. There's certainly no slouches there that they lost to. Those are really good teams that you have there in the L column. Nothing to really hang your heads too much about. But um, in this matchup, uh, the Colts have won four straight. Uh, they see the 49ers every four years. Last 49ers win was way back in 2001. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be leading them in this game. An injury knocked him out, like I said, against Seattle. And uh, Jimmy G, uh, chap, is a quarterback who uh, I, there was even a little bit of a little bit of speculation that the Colts could have some interest in this past year because the 49ers had a high draft pick. A lot of people thought they were going to go with the quarterback. It turns out they did course that's a trade that the Colts would have had to make like they made for Carson Wentz but Jimmy G's back there he's had a pretty good year especially when he is kept on his feet and healthy he's a Super Bowl quarterback that he brought his 49ers to within a hair's breadth of beating uh beating uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs the one year so Uh, a guy that you really want to get after and try to keep him on the ground more so than upright in the pocket nevertheless a a dangerous quarterback that the Colts are going to have to face this weekend yeah, in, in in the 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 talk in the off season, the, the downside of him was can he stay on the field? Right. Well, and, and here we are already, and he, he's missed time. But he he can, he can make plays. What sixty six percent completions, 
five touchdowns, two interceptions, almost eight yards on attempt. So, and he's got people around him. Again, he's missing players, Kittle, but they've got some players, and Joe's got listed on here we can talk about. But this is one, again, he's a guy I think if you can really get to and rattle, you can have a lot, a lot of impact on. And the sad part is the Colts have still not got their pass rush solved. Maybe with Quiddy Pay back for a second game, they will. But, and I'll tell you, DeForest Buckner's going, he's, he sort of downplayed it yesterday. We talked to him. He's had this game circled on his calendar since the schedule came out. Uh, not that there's hard feelings and all that, but, but he also said, I poured my heart and soul into that team, and then they traded him. And they, and they really decided to keep, I guess when it comes down to it, they kept Eric Armstead as opposed to DeForest Buckner and uh, Buck glad still they, remembers Glad that. they made that decision. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Joe, you have Debo Samuel as the, uh, the obviously the, the biggest uh, threat now on offense with George Kittle out. And I mean, even if George Kittle was in, Samuel's the guy that they go downfield with. They try to take the top off the defense. And he's one of the best in the NFL at getting behind the defense. Yeah, this year, I remember last year, uh, the, they just give him those little tip passes near the line of scrimmage. And that's all they did with him. Uh, I wish they would have told me they would have gone downfield with him so I could have drafted him <laughs> in fantasy. But he's having a year three breakout. Um, former second round pick and he, honestly he, he would be more of a superstar if injuries hadn't kind of derailed his career from time to time as well uh, but he's fifth in the NFL currently with 548 receiving yards uh, of tw- of the players with 20 or more catches Debo is third in yards per catch 17.7 uh, and he had two games with over 150 receiving yards already this year their defense is pretty strong san francisco's and uh, i think it's uh, it's top 10 in fewest passing yards and fewest passing touchdowns um they only have 11 sacks which is 26th in the nfl that's not good but uh if you're looking at the dangerous pass rushers they're few in the league better than nick bosa who's back from injury and is looking very very good tore his acl last year but has five sacks already this year nearly half of San Francisco's 11. So uh, make sure you know where Nick Bosa is, chap, on the field before every snap. Him and Fred Warner, another uh, another great player and all-pro type talent, uh, guys that you you certainly have to, have to be wary of on that side of the ball and probably not test too often unless you are really want to be playing with fire this weekend. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, maybe Joe knows, but I'm guessing they move Bosa around like most teams do with quality pass rushers, but you know, if he's your right end, he's going against Eric Fisher. And I think Fisher's playing better uh, as he gets, you know, further removed from, from the his, his rehab with the Achilles. But it only takes two or three bad plays by, by a tackle to blow a game up. So whether he's going against Fisher or, or, or Pryor at right tackle or he sleep, goes inside to go against a guard, these are the kind of guys – that all it takes, it's it's back in the Freedy Mathis types. All it takes is for these guys to turn a game, are two or three plays, whether it, whether it's a, 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 a just a pure sack, or 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 a sack strip. So uh, we'll see how this this protection holds up because, again, last week go back and look at those two long plays to Hilton and Paris Campbell and and. Carson Wentz held the ball for a while, which you have to do to push the ball down the field. Uh, can this pass protection hold up against quality pass rushers? I have my my doubts. Uh, maybe if this is a game Frank Wright goes back to more of a, I don't say I won't say conservative, 
but more of a of of a timing, get the ball out and lean more in your run game. But pass quality pass rushers always give me pause because uh, the Colts offensive line hasn't handled quality pass rushers very well. Joe, if you look at Fred Warner, he's a guy that kind of go came into the league at the same time as Darius Leonard. They're both viewed as two of the top young linebackers in the league. Uh, Darius Leonard would be very offended if uh, if you put Fred Warner above him, uh, as Darius is known to do. Uh, I can guarantee you, though, San Francisco certainly likes having Warner there in the field. He's one of the best cover linebackers there is in the league. He's a tackle-making machine, much like Leonard is. Darius had a, a lot more, I think, game-changing plays, like the interceptions, the forced fumbles, the fumble recoveries. But uh, Warner, one of the most consistent linebackers you're going to see, very athletic and can really run with anybody out in the field. Si- a true sideline-to-sideline side linebacker. Yeah, great coverage linebacker. And I remember during the offseason, they both got – those big new contracts, and there was a lot of debate over who the better linebacker was. Uh, Warner's played one less game this year, but they both have 45 total tackles. They both have two tackles for a loss. Uh, Warner has one pass defended, but that's where his stat line kind of stops, whereas Leonard has four passes defended, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. So uh, there's just, you know, adding to the stats that I would reference when I say Leonard is the better linebacker. Mm -hmm. But Warner's very good um, himself and uh, maybe the best coverage linebacker just sticking with his man in the NFL. So the Carson Wentz, when throwing in the middle of the field, is going to have to be wary of Warner. And San Francisco's only given up 216 passing yards per game, only eight touchdowns in the five games they've played through the air, too. So it's been tough to move the ball through the air against San Francisco. It's been easier to move the ball against them on the ground. Bottom half of the league in yards allowed per game, they're allowing 113 rushing yards. They've also given up 4.3 yards per carry and allowed six rushing touchdowns, the 10th most in the NFL. And also... If you look at the weather forecast for the Sunday night, I don't know if either of you guys have, have but not. it's supposed to be 56 degrees out there in San Francisco, and there's a 99% chance of rain Ooh. out there. Let me uh, let me quote this right here. Cloudy so you're with peri- there's a chance. Yes, right. Cloudy with periods of rain, potential for flooding rains. Rainfall may reach <laughs> one inch. So it depends on what time that rain shows up. So you're saying run the damn ball. Exactly. (laughs) There could be a lot of Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines on the ground this weekend. And, Chap, if you're looking at the the way to attack the San Francisco defense, that's probably the the most sensible way to do it. Like like you said, maybe a more conservative, quote-unquote, attack this weekend. And and we talked to Frank Reich about that. And, you know, these early games, there have been situations that just haven't been conducive to running the ball. Like the last week, what they had was at 48 total plays uh, against Houston, which doesn't give you a, a ton of time to run the ball. But I, I think that he really would like to find a way to be more run-centric, I, I think, and this would be a good time. If the weather's that bad, the last thing you want to do is is, is expose yourself to what can happen in the pass game with a, with a wet ball and tips and slips through the hands and all that, so... I keep waiting for that one game where they really come out and from start to finish, not only are they committed to the run, but the run's working, and we haven't seen that yet uh, through six games. That's the uh, Joe's first key to the game. Keep riding Jonathan Taylor. He is second in the league in yards from scrimmage with nearly 700. 
301 yards rushing over the last three games. 6.6 yards per carry since week three. Joe, he's been a playmaking machine, 50-plus yard run, 50-plus yard reception. Uh, Taylor's uh, the reigning FedEx NFL ground player of the week. Would not be surprised, given everything we've just said in the last five minutes, that he gets a the, the lion's share of the work when it comes to Sunday night in San Francisco. Yeah, ground player of the week on only 14 carries. I would bet the over on that number this week. I think he should... He should definitely get near 20 carries. I mean, we've all been begging, me and Mike especially, been begging for this all year. Feed Jonathan Taylor. I know they're going to spread it around. Uh, They seem to have more of an effort to get Naheem Hines involved last week, although he didn't really make a lot of plays. Um, I do like the effort because Hines, like Taylor, it only takes one for him to bust one out 30, 40 yards, if not more. Um, But they're going to have to focus on this running game and if they can get the running game going that's going to then open up the shots down the field where Carson Wentz has been the best quarterback throwing the ball down the field this year um, per a lot of metrics pro football focus um, has him the highest graded quarterback when throwing plus 10 yards down the field also only one interception this year and on a play that is was not deemed a quote-unquote turnover worthy play by those metrics but and the 49ers have the fewest takeaways in the NFL, just two. They're tied with the Jaguars. So um, let's let's keep them with the fewest turnovers in the league. Uh, adding to that number is only going to hurt the Colts this week. That'd be nice. Looking at the other side of the ball on defense, you want to shut down the 49ers run game and just kind of make them one-dimensional. The Colts have only allowed, Chap, three and a half yards per carry the last three games. So that rush defense is looking pretty darn good. And when you look at San Francisco, their top two running backs are out, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. So you're looking at rookies, Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon. Uh, if you want to make them one-dimensional, it seems like that that is, that is a very a, a realistic goal that you can put up on the board and say, hey, we can do this this weekend. There's a lot of things I don't trust with the Colts still, but what I do trust is their run game with Jonathan Taylor and their run defense with, with Buckner and, and Stewart and, and Pay in the linebackers. I, I think that barring there being a Derrick Henry I think they, they do a very, very good job of shutting down the run. And, and as good as the run game is, I mean, it's I haven't seen their rankings. I haven't got it right in front of me. But that that has been inflated, not, not so much by Henry. You, you give him his. But Tannehill, Tannehill had like 57 yards, and then Chris Carson had the big, the big run, the breakout run. So I like the way this run defense plays. I really do. I will be surprised if, if the Niners, as much as they – they want to run the ball probably more than the Colts do uh, in their core. So I, I think they're going to, the Colts are going to make the Niners go a different route offensively this game. The Niners do have a heck of an offensive line to run the ball behind, Joe. Like the Colts, they have four former – well, they have four first-round picks. How many do the Colts have on, on that line? They have left tackle. They have left uh, – they, they have so three, three. So they have three. Yeah, they only have three former first-round picks there. Um, so the 49ers have invested even more. Uh, first-round talent into that offensive line with Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey, Alex Mack, Lake, and Tomlinson. Um, and, and if they can keep Jimmy Garoppolo out uh, upright, which is our final key to the game, Colts have to get 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 to Jimmy G. I mean, if if you if you limit the running game, then your defensive ends can just pin their ears back and go at him. And 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 that's been a, a stat I'll I'll let you share here with uh, just how how really night and day it has been. Uh, between wins and losses for the 49ers there, whether uh, they get pressured or not pressured as to whether they win the game. Yeah, the 49ers, um, they've allowed some of the fewest sacks, actually fifth fewest sacks in the NFL with nine. 
but it has a lot to do with their wins and losses. They have allowed those eight sacks during their three losses, just one sack over their two wins. So pressure on the quarterback really makes a big difference um, with Jimmy G, a guy who's not the most mobile quarterback and a guy who really things need to be on time with Jimmy G. He's not a creator. He's really good at going through his progressions and his reads and kind of taking what's there. But if you can get to him early and trying to make him uh, play outside of himself, that's when he makes mistakes and you could really capitalize. And Mike, this Colts defense has really turned it on the past couple weeks in terms of taking the ball away. It was a bit of a slow start to the year. And I mean, we were pointing out justifiably so that that those preseason goals of 40 takeaways are like, where is that defense? Well, it seems to have shown up a little bit more. And if you can get Jimmy G out of schedule, so to speak, he's a guy who can turn the ball over. Yeah. And one interesting stat, the, the Colts are, what are they, a plus 12 in takeaways. And again, that that's you talk to any coach, and, and the, the most influential stat is takeaways, although the Colts were a plus three at Tennessee and lost. Right. But but they're, but they're a plus seven. But more than that, they're a plus 37 on points. They've scored 43 points on takeaways and only given up two field goals. So they've done a great job of capitalizing when they get takeaways. Uh, th- that's where they need to keep it going. And again, I, I like the way this defense is playing. They need to get more than Darius Leonard making these plays. They need to get. They just have got to get something from their edge pass rushers. They just have to. We haven't seen that yet. We keep waiting. Uh, I think Quiddy Pay will be there. I think Tyquan Lewis can be, but beyond there, where does the edge come from? It needs to start on a Sunday night. Let's go ahead, Joe. I'll just go ahead and make a kind of just gut feeling this kind of feels to me like a Kenny Moore game I feel like Kenny Moore is going to have a few splash plays I know the 49ers um, a lot of what they like to do is shorter things to the sides and over the middle where Kenny Moore can really uh, take over that passing game they do take their shots as well um, but they, they you know get use check involved underneath and a lot of screen passes quick stuff with Jimmy G um, and then they hit you down the field but I feel like Kenny Moore is going to make a few plays in this Tighten one. that tie that's right Kenny Moore making those taking plays. care of business that's right I, we all hope to see that would love to see Kenny get in on the action as the Colts take on the 49ers in San Francisco Sunday night football this week on the national stage Colts certainly could use a better performance on the national stage than last time, at least over the last 15 minutes. A yeah, uh, better finish. Yeah, in a game that we will never mention again here again <laughs> against the Baltimore Ravens just a few you weeks know, ago. One, one, one thing I, 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 I'd like to mention about that game, about the, 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 the Baltimore game. Please. It's amazing to me how, how, how one or two plays could have flipped the narrative. All of a sudden, the Ravens are the team to beat in the AFC and, and – Lamar Jackson is the MVP for earning all that stuff, and had the and the culture just another team, you know, back in the shadows. They make one or two plays and and kick a, and kick and make one kick, then all of a sudden the Ravens, you know, not so much on on them, and maybe the culture of the hot team. So it's incredible to me how one, how how the last maybe eight minutes of a game can totally, totally flip the impression of two franchises, but that that's what the NFL is all about. If you don't make plays, uh, you, you don't get what, you know, what you could be. You are, you're kind of like what you are. This is you're two and four for a reason, but, uh, boy, I still can't believe they lost that 22 to three lead. You can tell that I'm, I'm, I don't play in that seven day cycle. I, I tend to hang on to things. 
And, and Mike, I think you just described perfectly why I, I believe the majority of NFL GMs would take Darius Leonard over Fred Warner, as good of a player as Fred Warner is. Just the the ability that Darius has to to make those game changing plays that right. that determine so many games in the NFL. Um, so I, I know that everyone in the Colts Colts building would, would rather have uh, no one else uh, at his position at linebacker. So that does bring us to predi- predictions for this week. Uh, FanDuel, as I mentioned at the start of the show, has the Colts four and a half point underdogs in San Francisco, which I understand if you have the Colts underdogs on the road in San Francisco, a pair of two win teams, San Francisco coming off a bye week. Uh, Jimmy G coming back to the lineup, uh, and he led them to a couple wins early before he got hurt. I understand if they're underdogs. Joe, I don't understand that they're four-and-a-half-point underdogs. That just seems like a really fishy line to me. Seems a little large to me. I feel like this is going to be a pretty close game that you know could be easily be a field goal or a you know one- or two-point game because these teams, talent-wise across the board, I feel like are pretty evenly matched. Um, you know, if I had to grade them out on talent when healthy, I would say these are two B level football teams, which is pretty good, you know, playoff contenders. So, you know, maybe, maybe pull out that fan duel and make yourself a little money there. Over under is also 44 and a half points. So what they're trying to tell you is they favor the uh, 49ers about a 24 to 20 ball game here, but it's time for us to make our predictions. Uh, you can follow us by the way, on Twitter at Colts blue zone throughout the week for Colts news and notes and uh, see if there are any updates to this. And of course, injuries change things like that, but I'll start, Joe, you go, and then Michael round us out. I, 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 like I said, I, d- I don't think that this is a four-and-a-half-point game either way. Uh, you can say that the Colts are favored. You can say that the Niners are favored, but I don't think that it just doesn't make any sense to me why they're four-and-a-half. But then again, there's a reason why the ceilings in Vegas are paved with gold. So uh, Because people like me think they know more than, than people like them. So I, I think I, I like the Colts on the road here. I think they uh, that this is kind of a... A game. I don't think it's a must-win game, but it's certainly a, a game that can really give you a shot in the arm heading into Tennessee uh, coming up next, and uh, the rest of uh, this uh, five-game stretch that has a bunch of winnable games. And and, and I definitely think it's going to be over. Uh, well, well, with uh, with um, if it was a clean game, if it was a not uh, rainy game, I, w- I would think this would hit the over. But with, with the the rain and the uh, wetness uh, anticipated for Sunday night, I think that's a pretty good number, about forty four and a half. I think a twenty four twenty one Colts ball game is is what I'm predicting. I think the Colts come out and, and pull pulling away in San Francisco and and head back feeling pretty good about themselves as they return to uh, AFC division or AFC South play uh, the next week. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. I'm taking the Colts as well. I'm going to go 26 to 24, um, three touchdowns, a couple of field goals in Indianapolis. And I think they're just, this is one of those games they're just going to have to muster out. Like the, the, the games the Colts have won so far this year are the games they were supposed to win. They beat yep. a bad Texans team and they beat a bad Dolphins team on the road against a pretty solid 49ers team. This is really a game that's going to show you what this Colts team is about this season because they got to start winning some games that could either go either way or where they're underdogs in. Chap, your turn. Yeah, I can't make it a clean sweep. I, I, I just can't. I, I think the loss of Blackman is is just monster uh, for the defense, primarily because he's such a good player and there's such a massive drop-off. Uh, to, to to the backup, whomever whomever that will be, losing Paris Campbell and what he brought, and not knowing Ty, I'm looking 2017 
Uh, I initially had 24 to 20, but when you said that's what you thought maybe FanDuel had, I just couldn't go with that. So I, I, I say 2017, but I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if, if Frank has these guys not only ready, but, but, but capable and in position to win. I just, I just see, the, again, the, the lack of, of Blackman. I just see a player or two getting away from him on the back end and then them, them not having the capabilities of cantering with the big plays offensively because of uh, Campbell and T.Y.'s questionable status. Well, they'll be under the Sunday night lights on Sunday night football this week, taking on the San Francisco 49ers Colts on the road as they try to get their third win of the season. For Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, I am Dave Griffiths. We do thank you for listening. You can follow us all individually on Twitter. Joe, Joe is at Roto Street Joe. Mike is at mchapel51. I am at Dave G underscore sports. And again, the Colts Blue Zone podcast is at Colts Blue Zone. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.